Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors, Drogheda and Dundalk. Our Dacia 211 pre-order sale is now on. Test drive a brand new Dacia today. Fantastic APR, no deposit and deferred monthly payments. Check out blackstonemotors.ie for details on our amazing new car offers. You're very welcome to Wednesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio on this little Christmas day. Yes, Nalugnamon today, the final day of the Christmas season when, well, I made sure that the uh, wise men arrived to my crib today, being a Christian as I am, uh, to complete the uh, Christian season. And of course, today is the final day for the tree and decorations. But listen to this. There's a fair move afoot to leave decorations up this year because of the situation we find ourselves in, especially in towns and villages, the lights, you know, the lights, the street lights that have gone up for Christmas and that bring brightness to us in the darkness of this time of year. What do you think? Should those lights be left up in our public places for a few more weeks just to carry us through this difficult time of lockdown? What do you feel about that? Do you think it'd be a good idea? If you have an opinion on it, I always love to hear from you. Text me 086-1800-658. You can WhatsApp me as well, or you can call in on 1850-715-958. We have lots of chat and guests for you over the next couple of hours, my featured artists of the week. And I bring you something new. It's called Wednesday's Weird Word. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later on. But I begin the show today with a good friend of late lunch, because as you are probably aware, the fallout from that sketch on New Year's Eve, on the New Year's Eve countdown show on RTE, which portrayed God as a rapist. Well, the fallout is continuing today. Many, many people are unhappy with the sketch. And one of those, as I said, is a good friend of late lunch. He's Pastor Nick Park. He's from the Solid Rock Church and he's on the line. Happy New Year, Nick. Happy New Year to you, Jerry. Always good to speak with you. And you too. Now, this has uh, really uh, taken off from it appeared on television, on RTE, on New Year's Eve. And you, I know, have been in touch with RTE. You've written to them about it. Nick, what is different and what is the uh, gripe you have with this particular uh, segment on the show because and you know people have a laugh at many things in life including faith and religion and churches as well and there's not much about it but you feel this has overstepped the mark by far well i think it has overstepped the mark um perhaps because the sketch wasn't the slightest bit funny you know if it, if it had been funny it might have had some redeeming factor to it but it, the only kind of humor that it carried 
was the kind of humour that you'd get when little boys shout curse words in through the through the, the door, an open door of a church. You know, it was, let's really wind some people up and let, let's really annoy them. So what I wrote to RTE about was not just the fact that the sketch caused offence, but actually if you take away the intention to cause offence, there was no point to having the sketch at all. I mean, it was, a, it was given the middle finger to people of faith. Uh, just to say that, uh, you know, RTE uh, acknowledged the number of complaints and they've been growing day by day and they have because that's this sketch is available on the RTE player and it's there with a warning. Now, if you go in to look at it, you're warned that there may be something offensive here. Would you prefer if it were removed altogether? Well, I, w- I would prefer it to be removed because I do believe it was uh, gratuitous. Now, now, listen, Jerry, I'm not somebody who thinks that religion isn't a fair uh, subject for for humour or for poking fun at. I think you know, I mean, we've got a great tradition in this country going back with Father Ted and everything else of poking fun at some of the absurdities that we see in the way people practice religion, and that, and that applies to my my kind of religion as well. But this was something else. You know, this really was gratuitous and deliberate causing of offence. And the thing is this as well, is that RTE issued a very bland apology, which is basically along the lines of, oh, we're sorry if anybody was offended, which sort of puts the blame back, oh, it's your fault because you're so sensitive that you got offended by this, when they really should have said, which actually the presenter of the piece did himself say, look... This was wrong. You know, it was wrong to deliberately go out to cause offence in this way. Yes, Angus McGreeny you're talking about there, the former yeah. uh, newscaster. And I, I, I'll read his words because uh, they've just actually been published by RT in the last 24 hours because they are having another look at this through their editorial standards bo- board. But Angus uh, McGreeny says, I wish to apologise concerning my participation in the Waterford Whispers news item on New Year's Eve show on RTE1. Uh, truly, I am deeply sorry for the offence, distress and hurt caused. It was wrong for me. It was wrong of me. That's a fairly profound apology. That is a very profound and fulsome apology. And and, and the thing is, Jerry. I mean, when I wrote to RTE and others, you know, like me, we're not trying to get somebody hung, drawn and quartered or get anybody fired or anything like that. We're just saying, look, why not acknowledge that this was a totally wrong way to approach a subject like this? You know, joking about rape, irrespective of the religious aspect of it, Joking about rape is not funny. Mm. It shouldn't, you know, it's, it's, it, it's incredibly crass. And we, of course, did have a radio presenter in this country whose career was effectively ended by some ill-judged comments he made about rape. And yet it seems like as long as it's sticking it to, to the church, then it's okay to joke about rape. And there's a double standard there. But so what what we're really looking for is RTE to say, look, we were out of order. It's not just we're sorry if you got offended because you're so sensitive, but for RTE to say we did get this wrong and we're going to do better next time. Atheist Ireland have come out to say, look, what's the issue here? The prohibition against blasphemy was recently removed, as we know, from the Constitution. How do you reply to that? 
Well, my reply to that, and by the way, Michael Nugent of Atheist Ireland is a is a friend of mine. <laughs> next, yeah. next time COVID over, we'll sit and talk about this over a cup of coffee, I'm sure. And what I'll be saying to Michael is that because just because something is not no longer uh, listed in the Constitution as being outlawed, doesn't make it appropriate for a public broadcaster. So, so for example, Michael and I have both been in our life. We've had very painful bereavements of loved ones. Now, there's nothing in the Constitution to say that, you know, you can't make jokes about that. But I think we'd both agree that that would be absolutely abysmal if, you know, people were to start cracking jokes about people that have lost loved ones. So Mm. in, in the same way, just because it's not in the Constitution doesn't make it okay. And you're not railing against uh, Ireland, the secular state, I take it? No, actually, Jerry, I'm a Christian secularist. I believe in secularism. I actually believe that uh, in a secular society, religion should be given no special rights and privileges above other activities, but neither should we have special restrictions imposed on us or be allowed to be mocked in a way that that other things wouldn't be mocked in that way. Yeah, and I was thinking about our conversation today, and there have been uh, many uh, groups campaigning for change in Irish society, as we know, over the last number of years. And I I would honestly feel, and I, I mentioned at the top of the show, I am a Christian myself, that some of those groups wouldn't take it as lightly, perhaps, as the Christian community are. Well, well, no, they wouldn't. <laughs> in some ways, you know, the, the church is a bit of a soft target. Now, you know, you even look at the fact that RTE show fit to do a, a sketch like this on New Year's Eve. Meanwhile, over on the BBC, Jules Holland and his hootmoney was doing an absolutely superb version of peace in, the gospel song, Peace in the Valley, with Tom <laughs> Jones pitching in and everything else. And I think the fact was that here in Ireland, we have this still and and understandably because of events that have happened in our recent history but often there's a chip on the shoulder when it comes to the church uh and that really spills over sometimes in nastiness i have to be honest i'm a big fan of jules i hope to see him this october when he's back in ireland and i watch him every year religiously i wouldn't miss him and the wonderful ruby turner of course with tom jones on that wonderful version of the song but look something you mentioned earlier father ted there we had previously you know monty python it was banned here in ireland uh we've had dave allen our own dave allen no better man you remember yourself to poke yeah. fun at the church and faith as well but this was a different realm I think it was a different realm. I mean, again, going back to Father Ted, you know, there's the classic sketch, isn't where where they're outside the cinema with a placard saying, down with this sort of thing, you know. But this was not just this sort of thing. This this was not Christian people wanting to, you know, impose our standards on everybody else. This is saying, look, joking about rape in any format is inappropriate and wrong. It shouldn't be happening on TV. And doing it just to have a poke at Christians and really set out to offend people and wind them up, that's, that's not what, what our state broadcaster is for. What will uh, you accept as a, a positive outcome from the Editorial Standards Board in RTE who are believed, who I believe will issue their findings on Friday? I'd be perfectly happy if they'd say, we, we messed up on this one, we got it wrong, 
and we're going to take steps to ensure that no group, whether it be Christians or anybody else, is sort of subjected to that again. Now, while you're with me, uh, at this time, your congregation is impacted in Solid Rock like all of the other churches and faiths. Not an easy time. And to have faith and belief, Nick, at this time, what would you say to listeners today to give people's spirits a little lift at this difficult time? Well, what I would say is this, that for one of the big parts of churches is not just somebody having a private relationship with God. It's, it's community. You know, it's, it's caring for one another. That's what draws a lot of people to churches such as ours. And we haven't been able to meet together very much in this last year at all. It's, it's, been, it's been crazy. But we've still been trying to say, how can we still foster that sense of community? How can we let people know that we care for them? And I would really encourage everybody, look, whether they are religious or not, whether they are Christians or not, if they would think about their neighbors, if they would think about particularly the vulnerable in the community and say, obviously, without breaking all you know, the guidelines and, and, and the regulations that we've got to protect them, how can we show them that we care? And it might mean making an extra phone call, sending an extra text message. Uh, I mean, one of the one of the positive benefits out of all of this is we've seen people who have never sort of got to grips with technology are suddenly, I, I know people in their 80s and 90s that are now totally at home with YouTube and WhatsApp and everything else. So uh, we can reach out and just try and relieve the burden a little bit for those who are hurting the most at this time. And Nick, one other thing before we finish up, um, you may have heard on, it's been on our news and all over the national news as well, that Helen McEntee, uh, the Minister for Justice, has been diagnosed with COVID and she is expecting her first baby. And I was looking at some of the comments uh, that have just followed the announcement from trolls and vile people online, Nick. They're just totally unacceptable. As a Christian man, what, what do you make of that? Because, as you, you, you know, we all have our political differences. We argue, we debate by times. Does anybody deserve such vileness? No, nobody deserves it at all. I mean, there is an undercurrent of nastiness that crops up at times, uh, undercurrents of racism, undercurrents of nastiness against politicians. But I think there's something else going on here, Jerry, and it's that during this whole COVID crisis, It's like an emotional amplifier that people that normally might be angry or might be frustrated or might be grieving. It's just like it's all amplified by this and it comes out so much sharper. And and I actually experienced this myself. We had a dog died uh, during the last lockdown. And and you know what? I mean, it's, it's always having a family pet dying isn't fun at the best of times. But it seemed so much worse. It was like the whole situation just made the grief worse. And I think that's true with frustration, anger, everything else. And, I mean, that kind of stuff is totally unacceptable. And and what is going to happen, I think, when this thing is all over, some people are going to have to look back and really look at their actions. And, well, as a Christian man, I believe in forgiveness. I believe that God can restore And I think some people are probably going to have to do some repenting at the end of all of this. Nick, lovely to talk to you as usual. Good luck with your work. And uh, I say again, Happy New Year to all of your congregation. And thank you indeed for joining me on the show today. 
Thanks, Jerry. Take care of yourself. That's uh, Pastor Nick Pot there from the Solid Rock Church. I really mean that uh, about ha- Helen McEntee. We are all of different political shades. Some are apolitical, but nobody, absolutely nobody deserves the vile comment that is coming forward at the moment. And if you are someone who's done that or put up those shocking words, you should be ashamed of yourself. You should be absolutely ashamed. And a lot of people hide behind social media as well uh, with false identities as well and put this stuff up. They wouldn't do it to somebody's face. They really wouldn't. And nobody deserves it. And I just want to say today, I wish Helen McEntee all the very best uh, as she deals with COVID and on her journey to the birth of her first baby as well. Because I would be as critical, and you know this, of politicians as the next person and at times my blood boils with them I have to say but I would never become vile or abusive I'd argue my point I'd have my say etc allow them have their say and that's the way it should be in the world Uh, but I just cop those comments there in the last while and I think they're absolutely shocking I condemn them unreservedly and wish Helen all the very best you're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio heading to our first break of the afternoon and afterwards it's WWW I'd like to say hello this afternoon to Anne and Pat McMenemy, the great listeners uh, to Late Lunch every afternoon. And they sent me in a a wee prayer uh, there by WhatsApp uh, that they hang over their front door each year. They've been doing it since 2018. It's a little prayer. I just can't make out the words on the prayer, Anne and Pat. So if you want to send it again in another format to me. But the idea of hanging it over their door, it's a very nice one. It makes them feel safe. And it protects others who enter through the door. And those people, of course, as Anne and Pat said, will enter through the door when lockdown is over. And it's a nice little touch and they believe in it faithfully. And it's been over the door since 2018 and they're keeping the tradition going this year. Well done to both of you. And remember, if you want to get in touch with us on the show, comment about anything, 086-1800-658, WhatsApp or text me. Now, it's WWW on Late Lunch. What am I talking about? World Wide Web? No, not not at all, not at all. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. It's Wednesday's Weird Word. And each Wednesday on Late Lunch, I'm going to give you a weird word. And what I'd like you to do, it's for a bit of crack, is make sense, nonsense or fun of it if you want, but stick it into a sentence. Just stick this word into a sentence and get in touch with me. 086-1800-658. Come on, there's some of you out there in the past. We know how good you were with putting the limericks together. Remember those all those years ago? Or little ditties of poetry, etc. Well, here's your opportunity to show your skill to me once more on Late Lunch on Wednesday. So it's Wednesday's weird word. And that word today is gobbledygook. Try spelling it. Never mind, put it in a sentence. Yes, gobbledygook. Stick gobbledygook into a sentence and send it in to me. Put it in, send it in to us here and I'll read them uh, later on through the show. So gobbledygook is your weird word this Wednesday. Fire it into a sentence there for me and send it in to us. And you can get it to us by WhatsApp or text 086-1800-658. Take your time. You have plenty of time to do this. Think about it if you want. Maybe it'll come to you immediately. Or if you want to call in, yes, Eileen is there. She'll take the uh, details from you. 1850-715-958. And I'll come back to your sentences with our weird word in it later on in the show. But next up on Late Lunch, it's the wonderful George Michael and Fast Love. Yeah, George Michael on late lunch this Wednesday afternoon with fast love. Ironic, wasn't it, that last Christmas, most famous George Michael song, 
made number one. Yes, did you know this, folks? It made number one this Christmas. I don't think it was the number one for the Christmas Day, but the next chart that came out, it certainly was number one. And it's taken all these years for last Christmas to make it to number one. Isn't that just a real irony that it made it to the top spot this year? Now, Jerry, you're talking about keeping up the Christmas decorations. Thanks indeed. I don't know who you are, but thanks for the message. Did you know, Jerry, that the Queen, the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth, keeps her decorations up into February every year. Every single year she does, Jerry. So there you are. The Queen does it. What about that? The Queen herself keeping our decorations up. Interesting indeed, isn't it? It really is. Um, I have to say again, going back to ourselves here, I'll uh, keep them up uh, for today and uh, finish off tonight, probably by lighting the fire. I love to light the fire. I told you that at Christmas time and have a little tiny celebration this evening just to say goodbye to Christmas and welcome in the new year again for the last time, 2021. And then tomorrow, take down our decorations here for sure. They'll be gone tomorrow and not won't be packed away till the weekend because it'll take a bit of time, of course. But everywhere looks so bare, doesn't it, when the decorations come down? Oh, my God, really does look uh, really bare. And it uh, just goes with the time of year. Uh, there's the first gobbledygook has come into us. I love it with a lovely picture with it as well, with a lovely blonde lady with glasses on. It's a load of gobbledygook. Let me say that again. It's a load of gobbledygook. Trump is talking, Jerry. <laughs> I love it. And there's more besides coming to us. Put the word, put our weird word this Wednesday into a sentence for me and send it to me. Or into a little verse if you want. The word is gobbledygook today. Can you make sense of it? Thanks to you, whoever you are who sent that one into me. There's more coming there and I'll get to them as we move on through the show this afternoon. And let me tell you what's coming up in the next hour on Late Lunch. Aisha Jalali's with me. She's the young student uh, from the grammar school in Dundalk we've been talking to since before term began last September. What is her take on the schools and perhaps not going back? She's leaving cert as well this year. And also on the show uh, coming up in the next hour or so, we'll meet a wonderful lady. Oh, she's fantastic. Ali Cox, she rescues dogs from abroad and she's based just outside Rithote in County Mead. But we're on our way now on late lunch to news and weather at two. Our politicians have taught us the real meaning of gobbledygook this year. Thank you indeed. There are lots of gobbledygook suggestions coming in to us. When I get nervous, Jerry, I can't stop talking gobbledygook, says Maura. There's another one there as well. It seems to me, well, it's similar to one I read a moment ago. Oh, look, I'll go with this one. Yes, the king of gobbledygook is leaving the White House on January the 20th, Jerry. And that comes in from Patricia and me this afternoon. Keep them coming to us. Gobbledygook. Stick it in a sentence. It's a weird word. It's a weird word on Wednesday on late lunch. Keep those sentences coming to us. You're very creative. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text them to me or you can call in on 1850-715-958. Now, school's out for summer. Should we used to sing that? No more English, no more French, no more sitting in a hard old bench. God, that's many, many moons ago when I think about it. But look, school looks like it's going to be out for winter. Perhaps except leaving cert students because there is talk that leaving certs may be accommodated in school, going to school beginning next Monday. And talking about the leaving cert, we met her first before the term began back in September. She's a student at Dundalk Grammar School and I'm delighted to say hello again to Aisha Jalali. Aisha Jalali this afternoon. Hello, Aisha. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you? 
I'm very good and happy new year to you. But listen, tell our listeners on late lunch today, you've had a pretty difficult time in the family health wise uh, since we last talked and especially over the holiday season. Yes, well, I mean, before I get into it, I, I would just like to wish um, yourself and the LMFM crew and everyone listening a very happy new year. Um, and yes, uh, Jesus, the holidays have been very eventful. Um, my brother, Oscar, who um, has autism, he's um, kind of uh, up for a kidney transplant. He got pneumonia um, on the 14th of December and he was admitted to hospital in Drogheda until the 22nd of December. Um, and then he's been admitted again on the 30th and he's hopefully coming home with my mother today. Ah, oh, that's great news. I'm delighted to hear that because you were really concerned and, and rightly so as well. Is it yeah. linked at all to COVID? Um, well, see, that's just the question, isn't it? Because, um, I mean, first of all, before he was even um, taken to hospital by an ambulance at 3 a.m., um, he had been kind of coughing a lot, you know, and there was obviously something there that we were quite concerned about. And we were thinking, is this COVID? Is this just a virus? Because that's sort of that's sort of the real question now, isn't it? You sort of forget that there are other sicknesses that one can get. Um, so we got him tested and the results came back negative. But, you know, of course, that just means that no symptoms of COVID were detected. And then I myself actually got a bit sick with the same type of thing on the 14th. And then I got um, tested on the Monday just to kind of as a guinea pig to kind of see is it the same thing and if so does my brother have COVID um, but my test came back negative as well and you know they never saw anything um, like it was kind of how do I put this it really did seem to be COVID even though they couldn't see any evidence of it and um, it was kind of treated as COVID when he was brought into the hospitals Um, And they're saying it was probably that at some stage he did have COVID and it kind of brought on a lot of things. You know, it was a combination of things that sort of, I suppose, invited the pneumonia to take over. But it wasn't it wasn't COVID that he was being treated for in the hospitals. Yes, but it just shows you, like, uh, at this time, I, I think I, I, I heard Tony Holhan saying the other night that if you feel like you're fluey or unwell, there's every chance that it possibly is COVID. But there you are. The mm-hmm. test said no, but you suspect differently. How are you? You're feeling much better now. Oh, yes. I mean, it was it was really a one day sickness by yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's good to hear. And please, God, uh, you're on the right road. Everybody in the family uh, going forward from this point onwards Thank and you. wish your brother well uh, home from hospital today. It's good to hear. Now, let's talk about you and school, which is why <laughs> you've been talking to us through the year. Well, Aisha, what are you feeling at this time? You must be all over the place. Is it on? Is it off? Oh, my God, Jerry. I mean, where to even begin with this whole fiasco? <laughs> um, I mean, you know, that's the question you always hear. How are you feeling? What do you want from this year? What do you want at the end of the year? And um, I mean, it's the most boring answer in the world, but I just, I don't have any opinions at this stage, Jerry. I'm just feeling so numb from from this entire situation. And if you ask any Leaving Cert student, it, they give you more or less the same kind of complicated, just tell me how it's going to be answer, you know. Um, and I wish I could sit here and give you a long list of all the reasons why I want predicted grades or of all the reasons I want exams. But the truth is, I mean, we've been given the runaround since um, March and fifth year. And, you know, the general feeling is just exhaustion. And um, I mean, it's kind of out of our control. There's nothing really we can do except 
sit down and just keep our heads down, take it as it comes. But, you know, the pressure that's on our shoulders, it just leaves you so, so drained. Did you feel angst in school as you went through the last term before you broke for the Christmas holidays? Was there a worry or a concern? Or how was school life? Did it function as normal? And what was the relationship like between yourselves and teachers? Well, actually, um, I was out for the last 10 days before schools closed because of um, everything going on with my brother. So I couldn't tell you exactly how it was running up until the last minute. But beforehand, it was kind of cracking on as usual. And, um, you know, from what I got from my friends, teachers giving us assignments and such, it was really the general idea was we're going to give you this work and we're going to give you a lot of it because you might not come back when you're supposed to. So we'll just see how this goes. And now, of course, schools are closed until the 31st, as far mm. as we know. So, Well, I may have a little update for you because the Minister oh. for Education, Norma Foley, uh, has been quoted in the last uh, hour, two hours or so. She's arguing that leaving cert students should go back three days a week from next Monday. How would you feel about that? Honestly, like I said, I will just take it as it comes as long as it's not putting anyone directly into risk. I just, you know, we really want to get this year done with the best way we possibly can. I do think that um, concentration on bringing exam years or at the very least six years back um, before everyone else is probably the best way to do things because um, just I know from experience the online learning Kind of was a bit of an issue last year. It definitely doesn't suit anyone. I think being back in the classroom as six years, there's nothing more valuable. Yeah, there's nothing to beat the face-to-face education, the social aspect of it, being with your friends, engaging with the teacher. I hear what you're saying, but you're right. Uh, Safety and health is certainly a priority. The Leaving Cert didn't happen last year. We had the predictive grades. Uh, The Taoiseach a few days ago committed that the exams would take place this year. But look, he committed that the schools would open as well. And that has changed in a matter of hours, really. Do you think about the situation if there is no exams again this year? Are you hopeful that they will take place? And ultimately, I I take it you would prefer to be uh, assessed by examination. Um, Well, (laughs) we've we've got this teacher who's, um, she likes to make predictions a lot. And she's the one who's kind of been cracking on in classrooms saying, listen, they do not want a repeat of last year. If they can help it, by God, they will have the exams in the rooms come Mm. summertime so um really i've just kind of been living with that mentality that you know it probably will happen because um the predicted grades last year were were kind of less than ideal for everyone Mm. how are you coping as a young woman leaving cert year in your teens late teens how are you you know how are you feeling about you know we heard about your health physical health of that and, and, and your friends how are you getting on you know we hear a lot about mental health and young people how are you oh, well like I said the pressure that everyone's been feeling it's it's like this little niggling sensation in the back of your head you can't get rid of it no matter what and I think every Leaving Cert student throughout history has had that kind of bit in their back of the head saying them to study and you know prepare for the summer but this year you really just can't avoid it and especially having been holed up trapped at home so much it's an inescapable unavoidable feeling you know you just have to confront it at this point but it's very very difficult 
Mm. Are you missing the uh, social scene, you know, at this stage of your life? I know you'd be in every night studying hard for your exams, Aisha. I'm not saying that, but you know what I'm getting <laughs> to, you know, getting a little downtime and socialising. Is, is that a huge miss for you people? Oh, God, it really is. I mean, you know, I do try and tell myself, look, this year there wouldn't be any time for it anyways. But I think the true loss for me personally was the summer after fifth year, because that's sort of your last summer of freedom you know, it's the last kind of time you can tell yourself there's no leaving cert next year. Um, and, well, we kind of missed out on being truly adventurous during that period of time. So it is a bit of a loss that, um, I mean, I'm going to be an adult in about a month's time. So <laughs> it's not the best way to end your teen years, no. I take it there's no point in even talking about your acting career and stage work or <laughs> that's surely on the back burner still. Oh, my God. I mean, it's it's been the same thing, you know. Oh, we're really hoping to get back in the room now. Oh, I can't wait for it. Sorry, guys. Looks like we'll be on Zoom indefinitely for the time being. And I mean, there's nothing else you can do. But, oh, God, it's a shame, really is. Well, look, you're... Uh where you are and all your colleagues are as well in Leaving Cert in the grammar school and all the schools across the northeast. I'm not saying all education is important, but the Leaving Cert is the year when you will be assessed for going forward in your lives. And it's very, very important. We wait news on that in the next while from the cabinet meeting that's been going on today. Look, I'm glad to hear your brother is better and that you're in better fettle as well. And I wish you well over the coming days and weeks. And we'll keep in touch, Aisha. Is that okay? Thank you, Jerry. It was lovely speaking to as always. And you too. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Aisha Jalali there, a Leaving Cert student uh, from the grammar school in Dundalk. And reflecting, she's a young woman, reflecting the, the angst and the worry and the not knowing that many are feeling. Many, many. And it's it's tough for everybody. It really is. But all I can say again is, as Marie Faye said to us earlier in the week and in her wise words, we just got to live in the present, live in the moment, live in the day, move forward day by day and focus on that and do our very best at this time. And I say again to everybody, this is more important than ever. It's in fact probably more important than when the pandemic uh, came to the shores first back in uh, mid to late March this year. And the Taoiseach from America announced the lockdown. It's more important because the cases are higher, the hospitalizations are higher. We got to do this. Hands, face, space. It's all about this. Wash your hands, cover your face if you have to go or meet anybody, uh, outdoor shopping or whatever, and make space, even in our homes. Create space between you and somebody else, especially if somebody's out and about during the day. If we do this and we knuckle down for the next while, I say again to you, the vaccines are on the way. The Moderna vaccine has just been approved in Europe. We've ordered just short of a million doses there as well. They're on their way. And I'm hearing stories of healthcare workers and homes in the Northeast. Vaccinations are arriving today and tomorrow and people are being vaccinated. And I trust that the government will listen to the uh, words of Paul Moyne as well yesterday and others calling for vaccinations to take place round the clock as quickly as possible. That is the key aspect of this now. But I just say to everybody, keep the chins up, keep the spirits up, wash the hands, cover the face, 
and make the space. Back in a moment on Late Lunch. I love your creativity. You're fantastic. Keep it going. Uh, yes, it's your weird word on Wednesday, this Wednesday afternoon on Late Lunch. The world is gobbledygook. Can you put gobbledygook or would you put gobbledygook into a sentence for me? Give us a laugh. Be serious. Do whatever you like with the word. Thanks indeed to Angela. Gobbledygook, says Angela. Gobbledygook, said the turkey after Christmas. <laughs> I'd say there was very few of them saying gobbledygook after Christmas but I know what you're getting at Angela brilliant indeed by hook or by crook I'll come up with a sentence with gobbledygook says another listener this afternoon oh there's a poet there they may not know it but you are a poet thanks indeed I'll be back to more of your gobbledygook sentences on the late lunch uh, before the end of the show today at 3 30. Now, the Order of Malta are a fantastic organisation and they're always there to help and they're stepping up to the mark once again at this difficult time. And I'm joined on the line by James White, who's a training officer with the Dundalk unit. Hello, James. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Nice to talk to you this afternoon. Now, you are, uh, as I said, stepping up to the mark to help and you're there to help in the current climate. And it's going to be like this, it looks like, for a number of weeks. Tell our listeners what Order of Malta are doing. Well, I suppose it's a regional um, campaign to try and kind of uh, better engage the community with all the services that we have to offer and um, uh, it's not just restricted to Nundalk, it's the entire kind of region. We're covering Louth, uh, Mead, Cavan and Monaghan. Like, we have fantastic units in Drogheda, Navan, Ardley, Kells. Um, and we're really just, we have a very good team of volunteers that are really just um, wanting to get people to essential appointments, um, medication collection for them, doing welfare check-ins, just anything um, that we can kind of do to, to help the uh, the vulnerable members of the community. So you are all over the northeast, which is our uh, main area, but we have lots of listeners. You mentioned those other places as well outside and into the uh, suburbs of Dublin as well. You are providing transport because this is something that a lot of people struggle with. You know, people have still appointments to attend, even though a lot of things have been rescheduled in hospitals, etc. But there will appointments be appointments to be met, medications, etc. You want to help here. No, absolutely. Um, as I say, we have a very, very skilled team of volunteers kind of from all walks of life um, that are very committed um, to help however we can, whether that be maybe someone that is stretcher-bound needing transport um, for things like an X-ray or um, consultant appointments, uh, GP visits, things like that, kind of. And uh, what we're hoping, what we kind of hope to bring to them is maybe that kind of security that, you know, our members would have the the sense of infection control and the kind of um, the knowledge that on and often like obviously to keep these these clients safe and um, that they're not putting themselves at risk maybe like um, one of the things that we did see a lot of kind of during the first wave of uh, COVID-19 if you like is um, people that maybe did have relatives uh, they could take them to appointments and things but there's just a big risk of cross-contamination if they have maybe small children at home that are going to school and they're possibly bringing the virus into the house and then they're working that uh, parents are maybe engaging with older people who are in high-risk categories. So um, it's really just, it's to provide kind of a safe means to get to these appointments um, or just to have medication collected or, as you say, even just to check in, um, be it a visit, be it a telephone call, just to ensure safety. But um, 
just to offer that in a kind of a safe, accessible way for people. Very good. So you are available. That's the message you want to get across today. The Order of Malta Ambulance Corps in the Northeast region. If people need transport, if they need uh, medications, as you said, collected there, even check-ins, anything like that, you are there to help. How do people get in touch with you to uh, ask for help? So what we've done is there's a regional community health line that has been set up. It's a mobile number um, that anyone can ring. And that'll put you in touch with the regional operations officer who's working incredibly hard to kind of um, distribute the kind of duties that we need to the relevant areas. Like if there's someone that rings from Dundalk, that they'll be able to maybe get in contact with the unit in Dundalk. If there's someone maybe closer down in Drogheda, that they can put them in touch just with whatever unit is able to kind of have them. So that number is 087-336-0434. And that'll put you in touch with uh, someone from the regional team and they will uh, be able to kind of uh, hand that out to the relevant unit then to be able to offer assistance. Okay, so that number again, I just want to repeat it, is 087-336-0434. That's 087-336-0434. And we'll have that number off the main LMFM number, 1850-715-958. And ring it and you will get help. That is a promise. You're great people. I wish you well. And thanks indeed for helping those in need at this time, James. And thank you very much, Jerry, for having me. (laughs) Not at all. You're very welcome. Take care of yourself. That's uh, James White there, training officer with the Dundalk unit of the Order of Malta. And that number once more, 087-336-0434. They will help you, I promise you. Now, gobbledygook. Lots of gobbledygook. Loads of gobbledygook every day, everywhere, isn't there? Listen to this. Bridie is a poet. She is. My name is Rover. I'm a nice, quiet dog, but my owners wrecked my head. Sit, stay down. They don't talk dog. They talk gobbledygook, silly people. <laughs> yes, put yourself in their four-legged friends and would say this and say that to them. It must be gobbledygook. It has to be gobbledygook for sure. Now, it's uh, a big birthday today in LMFM Radio. Yes, our Eddie Caffrey is celebrating his birthday today and we're getting lots of good wishes in for you here, Eddie, to late lunch this afternoon. And, of course, Eddie coming up uh, with the drive fantastic music after late lunch at half past three. Jerry, would you wish Eddie Caffrey the very happiest of birthday? He's just wonderful at his work. He lifts our spirits. He keeps us all happy. And I hope he has a great, great birthday. And thanks indeed, Jerry, for late lunch every day. You always say what's on your mind. Well, I try to to be honest and say what I think and what I'm feeling. I have to say that. That's for sure. Late lunch, LMFM radio. Still to come on the show this afternoon. I'll tell you what. Who's coming up next? I'll tell you who's coming next. A wonderful lady. Her name is Ali Cox. You may know her. She's uh, based just outside Rathoth in County Mead and she's a wonderful story. She rescues dogs and when you hear some of the stories and the dogs that she's rescued and come across, I guarantee you it will touch you. Keep the gobbledygook coming to me on late lunch this afternoon. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me on the show or if you want to call in, you know the number. 1850-715-958. Hi, Jerry. I'll keep up the decorations. If the ESB gives us a free month, it would be lovely to keep them up. <laughs> 
There you are with the uh, power suppliers. Give a little leeway there. People want to keep up the decorations. Honestly, I think the lights use very little when it comes to electricity, to be honest with you. The main cost in electricity is when you run your uh, dryers or you use it to heat, etc. They're real hard on the electricity. I don't think the lights are that hard on anybody. But an interesting point, is there kindness in the electricity suppliers to enable people to keep their lights up for a few weeks longer this year? Jerry, what have all those in Amnesty International and in the rape crisis organisations have to say about RTE making fun of rape. Their silence is deafening, says a listener to me on late lunch this afternoon. Thank you indeed for that. Back to gobbledygook. Oh, here's a real. Oh, this person's definitely talented. Listen to this. I'll do me best to do justice to it. It's a little ditty about her weird word this Wednesday. The weird word is gobbledygook. Listen to this. There was a man, the skillful duke, with little to do all day but read his book. And when he got bored, walk along a brook. But one thing he cannot do is cook. It was all nothing but gobbledygook. I like you. There's talent there. The scope there. You can develop this. Yes, gobbledygook. Lots of gobbledygook on late lunch this afternoon. Keep them coming. I love them. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. 1850-715-958. If you'd like to call into LMFM Radio or listening to late lunch this afternoon on LMFM. Now, my next guest was the first ever female animal welfare officer in Scotland, who subsequently moved to Ireland and County Mead, where she rehabilitates dogs and works alongside her husband, James, running an equine injury treatment centre just outside Rathod. And I am delighted to say hello this afternoon to Ali Cox. Hello, Ali. Hello. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Great to catch up with you on the show today. First ever animal welfare officer in Scotland. That suggests to me that you uh, were an animal lover from a young age, or is this just something that came to you as you grew up? No, I would have been brought up with animals on a farm in very rural Perthshire, um, which is kind of the start of the highlands in Scotland, beautiful area. And my parents actually were very much involved in in, um, rescuing dogs and looking after dogs that had been lost. You know, we used to take them in for the police. And of course, in those days, there was no social media and no microchipping. So quite often they would stay with us for a long time. Quite often dogs actually that had been lost by people coming on holiday to Scotland and going off hiking and then, you know, ending up losing their dogs. So that was... You know, the beginning of it all, I suppose. And obviously then, through life, you wanted to work in this area because you love it so much and have such a passion for, for animals. Was it difficult being the first, the first woman to fill a position of uh, animal welfare officer in Scotland? Was that difficult? Did you find it or was it um, no bother? Um it was easier than I expected, to be honest. Um, I worked with 40 other inspectors that were all men. Um, I, in the job, I, I did everything like they did, but I was also um, the equine specialist for the society, um, which meant I, I trained the inspectors as well in equine care. And I, they were actually great. Um, I got on very well with all of them and uh, I suppose ended up being just one of the boys in the end. lovely to hear lovely to hear now Ireland you moved over here what took you here was it that man I mentioned there in the introduction (laughs) no not originally Um, I've been coming to Ireland since I was a child Um, 
for holidays and things. And uh, and actually, as I got older, of course, we used to always come over for the Scotland Ireland rugby matches, and um, and it kind of went from there. And uh, my horse horse side of things really was the reason I came. I wanted to come originally for a couple of years to compete. I was interested in eventing and what have you. And of course, anyway, the rest is history, as they say, 30 years down the line. And James is a horseman too. So we uh, we met and had a long distance <laughs> relationship for a while that, uh, that um, eventually led to us getting married. So here I am. Ah, oh, what a lovely love story. There's a, certainly a, a book in that someday to tell us more about that. But look, let's talk to you about you. Of course, your husband and yourself work in the equine field. But I'm particularly yeah. interested today in your work with rehabilitating dogs, dogs who've been mistreated from Ireland, here in Ireland, but from abroad as well, and Spain in particular. How did this, you know, rescuing dogs from Spain come about? Well, the first one happened about 10 or 11 years ago. Um, I have been involved in animal stroke dog rescue for a long time. Um, And of course, when when you're involved in it, like I was when I was an inspector, you just don't really ever get away from it. So um, I had a a telephone call one night very late from a friend in, um, in Spain, and she told me about a dog that had had actually been hanged out of the side of a building with cable ties. And it was a horrible story, really. There were some people that saw her hanging there and got her down, but she managed to escape from them. So she was actually on the run in Spain in the middle of summer for three weeks before they managed to catch her again. And um, you can imagine in that sort of heat with a terrible neck injury, um, she was suffering from... A, a dreadful infected necrotic wound, basically, and uh, and not in a good way. Um, anyway, I was asked to help with this dog, and I just said I would. So we arranged to get her over to England, and um, she was looked after for a couple of weeks until she was in good enough health to be operated on. And then she uh, she went to the vet. They spayed her at the same time. They operated on the neck and took away all the necrotic flesh, and she healed very, very well after it. And, of course, up until then, I had always really taken dogs in, rehabilitated them, got them, you know, assessed them, obviously, to make sure that they were all right to be rehomed and what kind of circumstances would suit them. And um, when she came, well, I actually went over to the UK to pick her up, and... um, it became obvious very quickly that she wasn't a dog that was straightforward and probably not a dog that could be rehomed. So 10 years down the line, she's still here. Um, Mm. Very badly traumatized dog. Mm. Lovely, lovely dog. And she, um, but she just does not trust people 100% and she never will. She is what she is and we deal with her. Luckily, we have a very safe place to keep the likes of her. Um, So that was the beginning, and she's called Alba, and uh, she's she's a super dog, but she was very difficult. Um, Mm. We had a couple of rescue shepherds here at the time, one one which is still here. She's coming up for 12 years old, and um, she, Alba the rescue from Spain, she she gained great confidence from those two dogs and they actually helped hugely in her rehabilitating 
and um, just you couldn't get anywhere near her. We used to have to put a harness on her and attach a horse's lunge line. And my husband used to collect up the end of the lunge line, get on a bike and cycle around the area that we have here. And um, she'd run around and the shepherds would follow and she she just basically gained confidence that way. And, uh, you know, the line got shorter and shorter and shorter. Mm. And now she's she's with him pretty much all day, every day. She's uh, she's a different dog, but not a straightforward dog. Yes. My God, your kindness and time and commitment is unbelievable. And she was just the first and it's continued with many others since. I take it you must be part of some network that's uh, out there that you get these dogs through. Yes. Um, there are several groups in Spain of people who, um, most, some of them are Spanish people, um, but most of them are are British people. Um, and they all run their own groups. I mean, they're a very, really, they're all like myself, you know, we're not registered charities. We are just small rescue groups, what they call non-profit rescue groups, um, and raise funds whatever way we can and um, and just support and help each other. Facebook, of course, has turned out to be a very good um, tool for everybody. There, uh, We use a, a page on Facebook where all of these groups can post their dogs and basically, everybody works together to try and, and find fosterers for the dogs who can take them in initially um, and then rescue, rehabilitate and assess is, is what happens. And then the dogs, when we get homes for them, we um, ship them over via DEFRA-approved transport from Spain over to England. And then some have come to Ireland. There are a few in Ireland. Um, and a lot of them in Scotland. See, the, the kind of dogs that I specifically deal with mostly are, are the larger dogs. And mm. they actually lend themselves very well to people who've got land, um, horses, livestock. They are actually what you call a guardian breed dog. Um, the, the mo most of the dogs that I have here and the ones that I've dealt with from Spain, not all of them, but most of them, are Spanish Mastins or half Spanish Mastins. And they are actually bred for guarding livestock. So they lend mm. themselves very well to, uh, you know, to farm life, basically. Yeah, they're called mastins in Spanish. Are they the mastiff yes. as we'd know them, yes? Yes, they're, they're, yeah. just, they're a version of, um, well, lots, there are lots of mastiff breeds and they all look a little bit yeah. different, but basically, yes. It's, that that would give listeners an understanding of actually what what they're like and, and the size and they're quite big dogs. Um, th some of the stories are horrific. Like dogs are so mistreated, it's unbelievable. I, I can't just even think about the depravity of some of these dogs that you've actually brought back from virtually death. There was a dog there, was there? Buried alive with two other dogs that you got? Yes, he was only a puppy. He would have probably been about twelve, thirteen weeks old when they were found. And um, he'd had a terrible beating. His jaw was broken and he was buried. His face was taped up and he'd been sort of half buried with two other puppies that had had the same treatment, um, all of which they did all survive, thankfully. Um, but one of them got out and somebody noticed them and, and thank God they were they were saved. But um, I have, <laughs> he's called Angus and we have him here and he he does have brain damage, but it's 
Touchwood not doesn't appear to be serious, and we just have to hope that it doesn't affect him down the line. Yeah. Uh, and really, all you can sort of notice about him is the odd time he'll lose balance a little bit, and he has a bit of a head tilt, but he's an amazing dog. He's absolutely fabulous. How many dogs have you? Oh, <laughs> at the moment I have... There are six rescues in here and a few in the pipeline waiting to come and go. I try not to, the ones that that I bring in that are going to be rehabilitated, some of them some of them aren't dogs that have had the same trauma as all of the ones that we've talked about so far. Um, some of them are straightforward rehomes. Yes. Which and, and they usually come from Ireland. Not always. Some of them some of them are from the UK. They you know, they go where the suitable home is and it to me it doesn't matter where it is or who's dealing with it um you know if it, it they don't have to um come from a, a, a situation in ireland and go to a situation in ireland i know i know what uh, you're saying yeah and, and the it, other thing to say is uh you mentioned the british people and irish people uh you yeah. know we, we have a great love of our animals and we take care of them for the greater part now there are some blackguards as there are in every aspect of life but in general terms but it appears to me when you talk about continental europe and spain there's not as strong an ethos there am i being unfair um it, it's very different jerry a very different scene um there's a lot of deliberate cruelty goes on in Spain, which is the difference, I think. Um, you know, it does go on everywhere, of course it does. But the horrific deliberate cruelty that that is handed out to dogs is horrendous. Um, Rudy, who is, who, who's the, the latest one of the dogs that's arrived here, he's been here only for since the end of June, I think. And... Um, he had lived his entire life on a on a very short chain um with very you know nothing really to live in just a, a ramshackle kind of makeshift box type thing outside and some straw and he had spent his entire life living like that fed on bread um and been abused every day a neighbor believe it or not had had witnessed this every day of that dog's life had seen the dog being abused but it's very much accepted over there the the horrible thing about it actually is that they will treat these outside guardian dogs like that and yet they will keep little dogs in their houses like chihuahuas and maltese terriers are a big favorite over there and they treat them like royalty and yet the outside dogs are, are terribly badly abused rudy was in danger of being killed. The chap that owned him said he was going to kill him. He thought he was getting too old to, to guard. He decided he was going deaf. So one morning he hacked his ears off with an axe and his tail. And that's how he was found. And he was taken away when the, the, the neighbor finally decided that this was just a, a step too far. Mm. So Rudy is a terribly sad case. He mm. also has pretty you know permanent kind of kidney damage so we have him he is on a, a kidney supplement to to support his health and we watch him like a hawk he has to be on a special diet um but for the first time in his life his feet touched grass when he reached ireland and um and he's he's off a chain he'll never be on a chain again he's he's a little bit quirky um mm. but he has fitted in here like i never thought he would um, yeah. for a dog that had had beatings every day. 
You know what? You're just an angel. You really are. And the work you do is all from the heart. You're not a charity. You know, you give and you receive very little. But I do know, just before we finish, I want to mention this. And I just wanted to yeah. highlight the wonderful work you do outside Rathoth there in County Mead. You do uh, have online auctions from time to time, which uh, yeah. raises some money to help with the uh, support of these dogs and the rescues. When is the next one or how can people, if people listening to them, I'm sure they're touched by you. If they'd like to donate something, will you tell us how? Yeah, they can. I can be contacted through the rescue. It's just called Rescue Auction. Um, and the, there's a photograph of a Marston's head looking through kennel bars. Um, and I can be contacted through there. Uh, I don't have a huge amount of them because I do rely. It's been mostly friends, actually. Um, I've, I've only held about four so far, but they've been quite, quite good. And they raise enough money to transport the dogs because that's obviously yeah. a fairly big cost. It costs about £350 to get a dog out of Spain into the UK. Um, passports have to be paid for uh, vaccinations and any veterinary treatment. Um, so, uh, that's yes, that's what I, I rely on people giving me things. Um, yes. And, and, I, and do you, if, if rescue auction, if you just Google that, you'll find you rescue auction that will, will, will get people to you anywhere else. Is there a phone number or anything else? You don't have a website, anything like that. I don't No, I don't. Have a <laughs> Good woman, Ali. <laughs> Maybe keep away from them. I, no, I'm only joking. Like websites <laughs> get to a lot of people. But anyway, look, you're based outside Rathalt in County Mead. Ali Cox is the name and rescue auction, folks. If you just Google that, you'll find her there and she will have an auction coming up. And there's lots of people, I'm sure, have things that they could donate to an auction that uh, would make some money to defray some of the costs that you have. You're fantastic. And listen, I wish you well ongoing with your rescue work. And uh, to uh, the man himself, James, as well, and his work there with the equine end of things. Good luck to you all. Thank you for joining me and telling your story on the show today. Thanks very much. Take care of yourself. That's Ali Cox there, who's based outside with Tolton Academy. What a generous, wonderful heart and spirited woman she is. It just lifts you, wouldn't you, to think the effort that that woman puts into rescuing four-legged friends. Short break, back in a moment on Late Lunch. The world is full of gobbledygook with COVID, Trump and Brexit, says a listener. Like that one, it's all gobbledygook with those guys, isn't it, for sure. Keeping my granddaughter, Chloe, busy with lots of gobbledygook hours, making pom-poms. That comes in from Breed Sullivan this afternoon. Good luck to you. It's a good thing to be doing. It certainly is. Still to come on Late Lunch this afternoon, I have my track from the Bee Gees, my featured artists, and we're going to hear a story about alpacas in County Loud. But ahead of all of that, here he is, Van the Man. Brilliant, isn't he? Actually, I just saw a rerun of his concert he did a few years back in Cypress Avenue in Belfast, where he came from. He set up the stage on the street there and invited guests. And you know who was in the front row? I was just looking. Rick Stein, the cook, the famous cook, was just in awe of uh, Van. He's obviously a big fan. There was an invited audience and the public were there as well. And they closed off the street, put up the stage. And it was just fantastic. It really was. It was rerun there over the Christmas. Happened a few years ago. I think it was for his 70th birthday to celebrate. He's a strange character. He really is. He's quiet. He's reserved. He's shy. But his music. Ah, Astral Weeks, the album probably one of the greatest albums of all time and I was gifted that album by a good friend a couple of years back and it's a regular I spin it regular it's absolutely fantastic now what about gobbledygook let's get back to it it's fake news I made an error of judgment I misspoke no you're just talking gobbledygook 
Margaret from Drogheda to us today. Another one there, Jerry. <laughs> what are you talking about weird words? You're a good man at the old gobbledygook yourself. <laughs> I love it. Well done to you, whoever you are. Thanks indeed for sending that in to me, making sense of gobbledygook. I try every day for two hours on the show. Uh, Here's another one. I started studying applied maths, but sure, I might as well be studying Latin. The whole thing was way over my head. Gobbledygook. (laughs) You are really great with your words. Keep them coming. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. What about Mick McCarthy? Sacked Jack Byrne. Did you hear the news? Signed Jack Byrne from Shamrock Rovers. I think he was Jack Byrne's manager for about four minutes. He sacked McCarthy after, what, seven games in charge in Cyprus, out the door. Sure, it's a merry-go-round with the managers, isn't it? Make you laugh at times. It really would. Anyway, uh, poor Jack Byrne. I'd say he's feeling a little lonely out in Cyprus now. He'll have to uh, do his own thing out there for the next while. Just one other thing I wanted to mention on the show today. Um Beaches and walking on beaches, it's good for people. If you're in 5K and you can get out there, but the uh, car parks to loud beaches, I believe, are all closed at the moment. Could be the same in Mead. Probably is, and understandable not to have people congregating. But, you know, I'd say it just pushes the the car parking issue elsewhere. People park in other places and go to the beaches. What do you think? Have you been out on the beach? What do you think of the closing of the car parks? Is it a, a good idea? Is it just pushing the problem elsewhere? Uh, anyway, out and about for a walk five kilometres is good for the heart, soul, mind and body. That's what I'd say for uh, everybody listening today. If you can get a bit of exercise and walking, it's good. And a beach is a lovely place to go as well. Once you stick within the limits, 5K and do what you're asked to do. But anyway, they have to take measures. Is the closing of the car parks a good idea? I don't know. What do you think? If you have an opinion, do give us a shout on the show. Also, just wanted to mention one other thing before we head to the break. Uh, where is it there? Yes, Paul Maguire. He's 40 years young today. I mentioned it's Eddie Caffrey's birthday today. Happy birthday again, Eddie. Uh, Paul Maguire, 40, from Omid. That comes in from Rosie and Alan this afternoon, wishing you a very happy birthday. News, sport and weather at three. And afterwards, it's the Bee Gees and Alpacas on late lunch. Stay with us. If we have any more on that announcement, imminent announcement from the government on the restrictions, we'll bring it to you before we end late lunch today at half past three. Now, let's get back to some of your comments. I really appreciate all the contact you make with me every day. And there's been loads today. Jerry, I'm sorry to tell you, uh, you say a lie there. You argue a point, say your bit and let everyone with an opposing viewpoint say their bit. It's a lie. LMFM, like RT and all the others, have blocked any dissenting voices against vaccines for COVID-19. And that's a fact since this pandemic start no democracy anymore we now live in a medical dictatorship that comes in from peter in midloud this afternoon i'm delighted to read it peter and and air your view but i have to say and i say it again that i am pro vaccination and i believe vaccines have saved millions of lives in this world of ours uh, over the past uh, century over the past century as it developed decades and certainly in recent times and there have been blips there's no doubt about that there have been uh, people who have suffered for taking vaccines but that's been in the minority i have to say but if you're affected by that it's a huge huge issue and it's so sad that that has happened but in the overall good, I have to say, I believe vaccines are good. And I'll be first in line to take the vaccine when it is my turn uh, for COVID, I want to say. But thank you for your comment, Peter, today. My nephew is in his final year in school. And even though it's leaving cert, he doesn't want to attend physically, Jerry, because he feels it's not safe. And he feels a little bit intimidated and suffocated within the 
school. Thanks indeed for that, Ella, this afternoon. Listen to this from Nula. Hi, Jerry. Just to add my tuppence worth to that disgusting clip on RTE, I think it's hard enough in these times to help our children and grandchildren to remember the magic of the birth of Jesus. Children are so caught up with Santa and presents that they forget about the real meaning of Christmas. Don't get me wrong, Jerry, I'm no holy biddy, but I always tell my grandchildren not to forget to wish baby Jesus a happy birthday. To take away the magic of Christmas and profess God as a rapist is disgusting in anyone's religion. And then the comments about Helen McEntee's sad predicament makes me wonder what sort of sick people there are out there. Love the show and show love to everybody. Thanks indeed, Anula, for that lovely comment to us on the show this afternoon. Now, I have four rescue dogs, says another listener. Yes, we were talking to Ali Cox a little bit earlier on. I love them with all my heart. I never want to go away from them. I cannot part with them. When my friends come to visit, they hear me yapping away to them and they wonder what I'm like. But you know what? They understand me. They never answer me back. And you just get a knack. They look at each other and they look back at you and they probably think, I'm talking gobbledygook. (laughs) I love it. Thank you indeed. Our weird word this Wednesday is gobbledygook on late lunch. More of your gobbledygook. Everyone is talking about the COVID-19 vaccinations and how they work, but they may as well be talking gobbledygook to me because it's all too technical, says a listener this afternoon. Thank you indeed for that one there. Uh, Another one from uh, no name on this one. Uh, weren't there so many funny words years ago, Jerry? My mam used to call us widgeons. I had that word directed at me too, I have to say, years ago. And only recently, Jerry, I realised widgeons are little birds. They are indeed. And you were a little bird one time and wasn't a lovely, kind, affectionate word to receive from your mother. It certainly was. Um, and uh, what have I here? Jeez, I have that many on my desk here. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Eamon Doyle, my producer today, is with me, uh, paneling me on the show. I thank him for it. Yes, he's just after whispering into my ear there. And I'm sure uh, the crew in LMFM will not be surprised. Eamon Doyle, he wasn't known as a widgeon when he was young. Ructions, he was called. <laughs> Ructions Doyle, I love it. There's a lovely ring to that for sure. (laughs) Here's another one of the gobbledygook. It seems to me that since the start of lockdown, all we've been hearing is lots of gobbledygook from our politicians. On second thoughts, Jerry, what's new? That comes in from Pat in Dundalk (laughs) this afternoon. Now, I have a couple of dedications ahead of my featured artist of the week. I want to say a big happy birthday to Nuala Flanagan. Yes, Nuala, who joined us before Christmas. He was 60 years married. And that comes in from Hester Ray, Michael and the family in Spencer Hill in Castle Bellingham. They love you, Nuala, and we love you too. Happy birthday to you today. And another big birthday happening today ahead of the Bee Gees. Uh, Mary Campbell from Lollipop Alley in Drogheda is celebrating a big birthday today and Noel and all the family want to wish you all the very best and I know she's a huge LMFM listener she never misses us every day and I want to say a happy birthday to Mary Campbell in Lollipop Alley listening this afternoon and the Bee Gees Barry Robin and Morris Gibb are a featured artist this week there's only one of them alive Barry Morris died on the 12th of January 2003 he was only 53 he died suddenly and Robin sadly passed away on the 20th of May 2012 he was 62 so Barry is the one remaining remaining BG. Listen to this. 
They had 22 studio albums, two live albums, 15 compilation albums, four soundtrack albums and 83 singles of their own. Besides all the songs they wrote for other people, they were simply amazing. And today on Late Lunch, for the birthday, girls and boys, from the 1972 album To Whom It May Concern, Top 10, UK and USA. Here it is, Run To Me. Yeah, the Bee Gees, the Gibbs. And run to me a classic on late lunch this afternoon. You know, I've just uh, got to admire and love them so much more all the time, the Bee Gees, as years have gone on. And when I realised the repertoire of songs they had and that they've written for others, I mentioned that just at the start of that song there. You know, when you think that they've uh, sold over 220 million songs, you know, singles and albums worldwide. Uh, Like when you talk about Lennon and McCartney, the Beatles, certainly in the next breath, you have to look at the Gibb brothers as being the most prolific and most wonderful and most successful. Yes, they're my featured artists on Late Lunch this week and we'll hear another BG song on the show tomorrow afternoon uh, around about the same time gobbledygook. It's all gobbledygook, isn't it, by times? We try to make sense of it here on LMFM radio every day from morning right through until uh, nighttime with Sean Carey starting off in the morning with the boys Christy and Seamus here plenty of gobbledygook there for sure <laughs> to entertain everybody <laughs> they'll kill me for that anyway yes LMFM radio with radio with you all the way at this difficult time we're your friends we're here for you if we can help you if we can feature a story if we can put you in touch with somebody that's what we're about here on local radio LMFM radio give us a shout we're here to help you always. Final break of the afternoon coming up on the show and afterwards we're heading to the Boyne Valley and listen to this, an alpaca farm. Top marks to late lunch listeners today for all your gobbledygook. Thank you so much for having a bit of fun with us on the show today and uh, working with our weird word on Wednesday, which we'll bring you every Wednesday. A weird word, pop it into a a wee sentence and send them to us. You've been great this afternoon. I really do appreciate everybody who's took time uh, to take the word and make their own sense of it. And uh, I'll be working on uh, getting something nice for uh, the weird word on Wednesday. Hopefully we'll have it in place for next week and something for somebody who sends us in the completed sentence. Thank you indeed again. Now, story in our sister newspaper, The Sun, yesterday about an alpaca farm in uh, County Louth in the Boyne Valley and a very interesting take on your Christmas tree. Alpacas, Christmas trees, what are you talking about, Jerry? Well, Ellie Moonen from Boyne Valley Alpaca Farm is on the line and going to tell us. Hello, Ellie. Hi, Jerry. Thank you for joining me on the show. Well, when I saw this, I actually scratched my head because I said, no, I can't believe this. Christmas trees, alpacas love them. Tell me more. Yeah, they do. They like the Christmas trees. Um, They like the um, needles from the Christmas tree. And when they strip it bare, they use the branches for scratching posts. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just here laughing, just in... I'm looking at that in my mind's eye. You know what I mean? I see them. I can see the way they nimbly work down and clear them and then use them to get relief when they feel a little bit of itch on the body. It's brilliant. Yeah. Is this, yeah. you know, did you know this? You know, is this a fact of alpacas that they like uh, the, the the breed of tree that the Christmas tree is, the fur? Yeah, well, they like hedgerows anyway. They like um, brambles and, uh, you know, the normal uh, hedgerows, um, you know. Yeah trees and that type of thing, um, and willow. Um, 
But I've, I've known this for a few years because um, we've been giving them to them for the last few years. But this year, um, I put up a post and uh, the post was shared um, uh, around all of Drogheda and all the area, um, Dunlear and uh, Tully Allen and Slane and uh, Julianstown and Leighton. And so we got so many offers. We were inundated with offers with Christmas trees. Um, and we can't take them all. So we've <laughs> had to put a cap on it and we're taking 60. Um, okay. Which is still more than enough. We only have 28 alpacas. And they eat slowly, so they only nibble them. Um, they go, you know, back and forth all day long nibbling them. They don't, you know, they don't don't clear the whole thing in one day. Um, okay. But we can hold them back um, and give them to them every couple of days or every, even a few weeks because they'll last. They don't mind them dried out. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's the thing is this, you want to say today, you don't want to see a convoy heading for Boyne Valley Alpaca Farm, which there shouldn't be anyway with the restrictions, with more <laughs> trees than you can yeah. cope with. Anyway, you have your quota of trees. Just tell me this, in the needles themselves, is there nutrition? Sure, there has to be something. Yes, yes, they're full of um, vitamin C and some varieties have vitamin A. And they're good for worm control. Okay, so it's a win-win-win all the way for you. Tell me about your uh, alpaca farm. How long is it there? You mentioned there you have 28 of them. How long are you at this? Um, Well, we have them three years, um, just over three years. And um, we we were a breeding farm. um, And up until for the last two years, I've had... um, just a you know, few visitors every few weeks, um, non-paid, you know, just people that would like to come and, and visit the alpacas and um, uh, people with uh, adults and teenagers with disabilities love coming to see the alpacas. So we had um, visitors um, with disabilities coming. Um, but this year we, we've had, we had such a, we had a lot of interest in people coming to see the farm because people wanted to get out into the open and come out and see the animals. But with restrictions, we weren't able to do it. So we decided that we'd start trekking um, just in January. We'd start um, bringing small groups of people out for walks with the alpacas um, to get people out into the open and with animals. Um, but with these new restrictions on the 31st of December, we weren't able to start so um, we've rescheduled all the bookings that we had for after the restrictions are lifted. OK, so, you know, with the restrictions impacting on everybody, uh, even you with, with your farm there and alpacas. I, I remember visiting a lady in County Meath a few years back. I went out with the uh, microphone and met her as well. And they're enchanting creatures, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yes, they're lovely. Very yeah. endearing. Okay, well, listen, anyway, you, I, I thought I could help you with more trees, but the message is you've enough. <laughs> no, we have more than enough, more than enough. Um, but I, I do want to say, you know, we do appreciate them, uh, all the offers, but we just wouldn't be able to, there were there just too many, um, so we just wouldn't have been able to take them all. 
Well, listen, good luck with your alpacas and please, God, uh, we'll have an opening up as the year moves along and more people will be able to enjoy them. But good wishes to you and uh, nice story, a nice take on the Christmas tree. So for next year, you'll be taking orders, I'd say, before Christmas for people looking to recycle their trees. Thank you for joining me on the show. All right. Thank Take you. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yes, alpacas in the Boyne Valley and they love Christmas trees. That's Ellie Moon in there from Boyne Valley Alpaca Farm uh, finishing off late lunch this afternoon. Here we are, Jerry, listening to you on LMFM radio and you're talking a lot of gobbledygook for sure. Only joking, Jerry. We love you. You're great. Thanks a million for that one to finish off today. Now, just to let you know that tomorrow on late lunch, we will uh, start a new series with frontliners yes people working on the front line of our health service dealing with covid we begin that on the show tomorrow the matchmaker sharon kenny is with us love in lockdown and professor brendan kelly who uh, he's a great man we spoke to him back in march midsummer again he's back tomorrow dealing with your mental health in a time of pandemic brendan is brilliant those guests and more tomorrow on the show big thank you to eamon doyle for guiding me across the last couple of hours and to my producer louise walsh thanks indeed and may i finish today by saying a big happy birthday to the man who follows me on late lunch eddie gavry happy birthday do join the birthday boy stay with us here on late lunch and wish him well through his show this afternoon that's a lot from gobbledygook and co on late lunch see you tomorrow I do ask Alexa every so often when I'm after getting out of the shower and yeah, I'm kind yeah. of after having a shave and I'm putting yeah. on a bit of moisturiser I would oh, say yeah. Alexa who's the fairest of them all and Alexa would go you are <laughs> <laughs> Alexa place a gala Lunch brought to you by Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, and Dundalk. Our Renault 211 pre order sale is now on. Test drive the new Renault Unplugged range today with low APR, cashback, and monthly deferred payments. Check out blackstonemotors.ie for details and our amazing new car offers. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.